and hello everybody. This is episode 22 of the Tata Cancer podcast. Today's episode is all about meditation. I know, I know, I talk about it all the time. Uh, You know that you should probably be doing it, but today I'm going to talk about some of the scientific studies that have shown how powerful meditation can be, how meditation can really assist you during your cancer journey. I also want to tell you about my journey with meditation because... Yeah, I think you might be able to relate to it or get something out of it. And it's really been a life-changing thing for me. So I am very excited to finally do an entire episode that's just dedicated to this. And at the end of the episode, I'm going to guide you through a very quick and simple meditation. So if you've never done it, you can give it a try. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, yeah, so what what's going on in my world? Well, it is officially September. That is my birthday month. I am not one of those people that <laughs> celebrates their birthday all month long. I usually get kind of contemplative and I like to evaluate the prior year and look ahead to the year in front of me. It's been an incredible year. Lots of changes, lots of unexpected and very exciting twists and turns. I am so excited to see Portland in the fall. I hear it's beautiful. And yeah, I'm just feeling happy and healthy. I'm going to be 45. I kind of can't believe that. And I'm feeling really great about it, to be honest with you. There are a lot worse states I could potentially be in at this age. And I just feel like I'm I'd like to think that I'm aging gracefully. Um, what else? What else? Oh, oh, oh. So last episode, I did mention that I would be having some upcoming offerings, and I am very much excited to bring two of my first live class offerings that I will be teaching at the Rose City Sexual Health Collective here in Portland. You can also attend via Zoom anywhere in the world. And if you can't make it on these dates, just know there will be a recording that you can watch later. So the first thing I'm going to be offering is a Lifting the Libido Naturally workshop. That is going to be a two-hour workshop. We'll talk about the hormones that affect libido, how you can balance them without the use of bioidentical hormone therapy, which specifically for breast cancer patients uh, is not necessarily an option for you. And it's not always required. Most people can actually resolve a lot of their hormonal imbalance issues by making some pretty basic diet and lifestyle changes. So that's really good news. You'll get a you'll get a, a meal plan, shopping list, recipes, exercise suggestions, uh, a pleasure journal. And I'm also going to be offering kind of a companion course. You could take it by itself or you could attend in conjunction with the Libido workshop. That would be a fabulous combination. It is a six week beginner's mindfulness for better sex meditation course. And that's going to be really fun. It'll be also held in person at the Rose City Sexual Health Collective and via Zoom. There will be a recording again, and we will talk about 
how mindfulness can help you in the bedroom. And one of the fascinating things that you may not realize, especially if you are on some type of medication that can block hormones that affect libido, is that most typically the you know medications and medical conditions don't necessarily, they're not a death sentence for your libido. So it's incredibly good news to know that a lot of the times, if you are able to engage in mindful activities and just do some of these exercises that I'm going to show you, that you can really stoke and cultivate your desire and have more sexual satisfaction. And uh, doesn't everybody want that? I mean, hey, oh. <laughs> Ah, yeah. So otherwise, things are good. I'm feeling happy and uh, I'm excited to talk to you about meditation. So let's do that, shall we? Hello and welcome to the Tata Cancer Podcast, where we will discuss the physical and mental elements of healing from a breast cancer diagnosis. My name is Junie Boucher. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a breast cancer survivor. When you're diagnosed with breast cancer, you're forced to make life-changing decisions with so much information that's really hard to sift through. My intention is to help provide you with the information you need to make a decision that's going to align your body, mind, and heart so that you can live your best life going forward. I'm gonna be your new breast friend. Okay, let's do this. The information contained in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice. Please always consult with your doctor for any of your medical needs. So I just realized uh, that in the intro, I did not talk about the dates and stuff of the class and the workshop. So FYI, this will all be in the show notes. The workshop is going to be September 18th, 2022. So I don't know when you're listening to this. And uh, that'll be from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. And then the classes will be on every Tuesday evening from 6.30 to 7.15 for six weeks, starting the following Tuesday. So let's see, 18th. So that would be the 20th. Um, anyway, so if you want more information on that, feel free to email me at junie at juniebewell.com or check on the show notes. So meditation, you know, people have so many preconceived notions about what meditation is. And I think what's most important to note is that meditation is not turning off your thoughts. It's actually just being able to witness your thoughts without judgment. Uh, And that can be extremely helpful in many different ways. But I don't know if you guys remember the onion. I guess it's still around, but it's just not quite as big of a thing. But um, one of my favorite onion articles ever was, uh, the headline was, Monk Gloats Over Yoga Championship. I am the serenest, he says, in Lhasa, Tibet, employing the brash style that first brought him to prominence. Sri Dhanajanai Bikram won the fifth annual international yogi competition yesterday with a world record point total of 873.6. I am the serenest, Bikram shouted to the estimated crowd of 20,000 yoga fans, vigorously pumping his fists. 
No one is serener than Sri Danajni Bikram. I am the greatest monk of all time. And it goes on to be sillier and sillier and sillier. And I love it. I will link it to the show notes because you should read it. And it's so silly and stupid. And if you like silly and stupid humor and mindfulness, you might find it kind of funny. Anyway, so yes, not turning off your brain. It's just really observing the brain, observing thoughts, being able to introduce what is called a pattern interrupt. Because the problem with our beautiful minds is that they tell us stories constantly. And a lot of the times these stories are negative. These stories are not necessarily productive or going to propel us forward in our lives and goals. And how do you how do you get a little bit of distance from that so that you can make a choice whether or not you want to believe that? There's an incredible book called The Untethered Soul that likens this voice to the worst roommate that you've ever had who is just such a colossal jerk. And if you think about it, the things that we say to ourselves are almost constantly so much more cruel than anything we would ever think to mutter to anybody else in our lives. You know, think about that. So meditation, at least for me, not only helps me relax, you are able to basically hack your nervous system and signal it to relax because you're not actually being chased by a saber-toothed tiger when someone cuts you off in traffic and uh, you don't want this whole cascade of stress hormones that occurs in that situation because your body can't tell the difference. Uh, So not only does it do that, it allows you to say, hey, everything is okay, let's chill out, but it also allows you to get that distance from these thoughts that you don't want to believe. And I think that is incredibly powerful and empowering and really helps with that self-love piece that I believe is crucial to taking good care of yourself. You know, when we respect ourselves and truly cultivate self-love, the healthy behaviors just naturally fall into line because you want to be kind to yourself. You want to treat yourself with loving kindness. So let's dive into some of the studies that I think are really quite incredible and should be acknowledged. So this is one of my favorite studies that I think is so fascinating. Um, So this woman named Sarah Lazar, who is a part, she works for Harvard. She did a study in 2011 that found that mindfulness meditation, they did an eight-week mindfulness-based stress reduction, sometimes known as MBSR, study that showed that meditation actually changes the structure of your brain. So when they at the end of the study they found their finding was that meditation could increase the cortical thickness in the hippocampus. Now the hippocampus is the part of the brain which is in charge of learning and in memory. And in certain areas of the brain that play roles in emotional regulation and self-referential processing. What they also saw, which this is also incredible, is that it shrunk 
the brain cell volume in the amygdala. And the amygdala is responsible for fear, anxiety, and stress. So I don't know if uh, any of that sounds like something you've experienced lately. If you're dealing with a cancer diagnosis or you're dealing with any fears of recurrence, um, maybe you know fear, anxiety, and stress pretty well. And wouldn't you want to improve learning and memory, emotional regulation, and self-referential processing? So the great thing about that is you know, meditation not only changes the brain, but it changes our subjective perception and feelings as well. And they even did a follow-up study that found that after meditation training, changes in the brain areas linked to mood and arousal were also linked to improvements in how the people who were involved in the study said they felt. So like their, their overall well-being. So, just so you know, uh, yeah, our subjective experience, improved mood and well-being can shift through meditation. And, uh, you know, eight weeks, that's not a long period of time. Now, you want to keep up with that so that you maintain those changes because it can change back too. That's the thing about neuroplasticity is that the brain, it's great news. The brain can change. Um but that's also the bad news. <laughs> um, so another study that I think is really incredible. So meditation has actually been shown in a study to be just as effective as medication to reduce anxiety and depression. That to me is such fantastic news because antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication, they do have side effects. Now, there is no shame in going on a medication if you need it, but just be aware if you have mild to moderate depression, you may be able to relieve that by just meditating. And part of that is because of the way that it affects another part of your brain. So, in the brain, the um, so we talked about the amygdala, the fear center. That's the part of the brain responsible for the fight or flight response, which triggers your adrenal glands to release. I'm sorry, to release the stress hormone cortisol in response to fear and perceived danger. But there's also the medial prefrontal cortex, which becomes hyperactive in depressed people. So the they sometimes call the M. PFC or the me center, uh, this is where you process information about yourself. So when you're worrying about the future or obsessing on the past, that is all done in the me center. And when people get stressed out about life, that area of your brain just kind of freaks out. So the process of meditation and the recommendation is about 30 minutes a day. You can do that one time a day. You can do that twice a day, which is I like to meditate twice a day. I know that might sound like a lot. So if you're just starting out, you know, do it once a day. I will talk about some best practices. I will tell you morning is a great time to meditate. But just to think that you can, you can use this it's free. There's no side effects to, um, to you know, battle anxiety and depression. And this was a study uh, by, 
I'm probably going to butcher this name, but the name is Dr. Madhav Goyal. He was an assistant professor in the Division of General Internal Medicine at the John Hopkins University School of Medicine. And they used a, I guess, they used sort of an active form of mindfulness, which was designed to focus precise, non-judgmental attention to the moment in hand. So basically, you are you kind of become disinterested and very non-judgmental in your self-awareness. And they found, this is, I'm going to read here from the, the study here. So to conduct the review, the investigators focused on 47 clinical trials performed through June 2013 among 3,515 participants that involved meditation and various mental and physical health issues, including depression, anxiety, stress, insomnia, substance abuse, diabetes, heart disease, cancer, and chronic pain. They found moderate evidence, which in science speak is means that's significant. Moderate evidence of improvement in symptoms of anxiety, depression, and pain after participants underwent what was typically an eight-week training program in mindfulness medica- meditation. They discovered low evidence of improvement in stress and quality of life, but they also found no harm that came from meditation. No harm, <laughs> lots of benefits, as successful as some antidepressants, but free and with no side effects. So that to me is a very important study. Now, the last thing I wanted to talk about some of the science is uh, about chronic pain. So there's been research on this as well. And and I let me just say it's actually so incredible that there are so many studies on meditation because as we discussed in the last episode, it's sometimes difficult to have science backing things that don't make money for either the pharmaceutical or the medical industry. Meditation is about as free as you can get. So this this makes me feel happy and restores a little bit of my faith in the science world because I've been kind of disenchanted with the knowledge that I feel like I've been running into lately about how skewed science is and how limited a lot of our recommendations are in the medical world because you know, a doctor can't necessarily recommend something to you that doesn't have a ton of research to back it up. That's just how they protect themselves from malpractice. And, uh, you know, most of these studies that are done are proving how you can take a drug to fix this symptom or that symptom as opposed to addressing the root cause. Stress as we all know, is at the root of so much disease and meditation is incredibly good for, for this. So uh, last thing here, let's see, talking about chronic pain. I think it's really clear that Americans have a lot of issues with chronic pain. And the hard thing about chronic pain is that, you know, as humans, 
we have such a low tolerance for pain, whether it's emotional pain or physical pain. And, you know, with, with good reason. It, it sucks. <laughs> Chronic pain affects over 100 million Americans, over 1.5 billion people worldwide, and costs the United States approximately $635 billion per year in medical expenses and lost work productivity. I'm kind of reading ex- like directly from this particular study here. So they did this study here. And, and also, I mean, we're with the opioid epidemic, we have to find alternatives because of the terrible things that are happening, you know, due to our addiction to opioids. So there was a study that was done using mindfulness meditation for chronic pain. And this, let's see, who was the name of this? Okay, so they were testing this on improving pain symptomology regarding, you know, for people with fibromyalgia, migraines, chronic pelvic pain, irritable bowel syndrome, and other conditions. They also wanted to look at this for chronic low back pain because that is the most common clinical pain condition and the leading cause of disability in the United States. So what they did was an eight-week, again, MBSR, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program. And uh, this happens to be one of the most studied and validated approaches for the treatment of lower back pain. And in this study by Kabat Zinn and his colleagues, they revealed that the chronic pain patients reported improvements in pain symptomology and quality of life after completing the MBSR program. And improvements were sustained after a three-year follow-up. How incredible is that? I just love that. Um, So just know there are options out there for you. That's just some of the science. You can Google scientifically researched evidence of the benefits of meditation and you can go down the rabbit hole. I mean, I would certainly encourage you to do so if you need motivation to start meditating because you're going to be like, oh my God, this is like a miracle. Um, but I wanted to tell you before we get into some best practices, I wanted to tell you how I got into meditation. Um, I was, I, you know, I was dabbling. I I've always always interested in meditation. It sounded compelling in college. I remember going to a Buddhist, like a Zen center and they had me sit and stare at a wall And um, there was very little instruction and I really was like, I was of that school of thought that, okay, I'm supposed to turn off my brain. How does this work? I hated it. (laughs) I was like, I can't turn off my brain. I'm really bad at this. This sucks. And I'm feeling even more stressed because I feel like I'm doing it wrong. So yeah, that's not, um, that's not meditation actually. That's, but that is a very common misconception about what it is to meditate. So what I did, I was living in Puerto Rico gosh, when was this? Probably around 2014, maybe. And I was living in Puerto Rico and I was living two blocks from the beach. And there was this incredible coral reef by my house. And I wanted to snorkel, but I couldn't snorkel because I had water anxiety. And, um, what I started doing, so I was like, you know, this this is not, I am not 
going to miss out on all this cool stuff that's going on below the surface of this beautiful ocean. And I'm not going to let, let, I'm not going to let this get out of my hands. This is a, such a gift. So I started using the app Headspace and they had like a free introductory thing. I did that. I was like, this is cool. I feel pretty, this is actually helping. And then they had a 30 day anxiety program that was part of the paid version. So I did the anxiety program and by the end of it, I was able to snorkel. I was able to manage my anxiety and it was a beautiful experience. And I'm so glad that I took that upon myself. So then I, you know, I tried to do regular meditation. I went in and out of it. I was probably what you would call a crisis meditator. So what that means is somebody who meditates only when they're in crisis and, you know, no judgment here. That's what most people do. But the great thing about meditation is that if you do get into a regular practice, the the benefits are cumulative and it really starts to change your life. So lo and behold, <laughs> I was diagnosed with cancer and that was a crisis. Yeah, I, I went in and out of somewhat regular meditation. But once I was diagnosed with cancer, I started meditating every day because I just had to manage my anxiety. And I will tell you, it made a world of difference. Then after I beat cancer, we had the pandemic of 2020 and I used meditation very heavily in that period as well, because I had so much anxiety over just being sick and the idea that I had a life-threatening disease. And then boom, I'm better, but there is a life-threatening illness that could kill me and everybody else. So I, that was highly contagious. So I used meditation then again, was doing that on a daily basis, really helped me manage anxiety during that time. After the pandemic, I was struggling a bit in my relationship. I, I, my relationship was one of the casualties, many casualties of the quarantine, I suppose. And I went through a painful breakup and I told myself, you know what? I am not going to run from these feelings. I had been sort of a serial monogamist all of my life and I decided to really figure out how to sit with discomfort. So just like we were talking about the chronic pain you know, that is one one type of pain, but sitting with uncomfortable emotions, you know, if you repress emotions, if you repress heartache or trauma, it's going to come back. And, you know, there's nobody that's ever going to be 100% free of all their traumas. But if you're able to sit with them, the only way beyond is through, is that how the saying goes, something like that? So I, I spent a long time um, meditating and sitting with emotions. And, and the thing was, I meditated more than I ever have, sometimes over an hour a day, like consistently on a daily basis. And I just saw my life change. I saw 
myself breaking patterns that I felt like had been there for a lifetime. I saw myself being way less critical and much more courageous to do the things that I wanted to do because I was able to see that my thoughts are just thoughts. And that gave me a lot more control over what I wanted to believe and therefore over what I was capable and willing to do to have the exact life that I want. And that's then I was so empowered by that. I took it into my practice. And one thing I noticed was that almost every client that I was working with, and especially because I was, I started my practice after the pandemic, I went to school during 2020 and just seeing how incredibly stressed out and burnt out a lot of people were. And it's so hard to make health changes when you are stressed out. Like literally your body is working against you because when you are being pumped full of stress hormones, they are going to make you have cravings. They're going to disrupt your sleep. If you're sleepy, it's going to be really hard for you to make good choices. Uh, Because again, with the the cortisol and these other stress hormones, and uh, it just keeps you on this roller coaster. So I went to get a certification, a 200-hour meditation teacher training through the Unplug Studio in Los Angeles, which I love. And I worked with Susie Yeloff-Schwartz and David G, who was someone who worked with Deepak Chopra for a very, very long time. And he's fantastic. So is Susie. They are both incredible, wonderful people. And I learned so much. And now meditation is a big part of my life. It's a non-negotiable I really notice when I don't meditate and I meditate twice a day. I do what my teacher David G calls RPM. So let's talk about some best practices. RPM means rise, pee, meditate. So before I do anything in the morning, I meditate. And what that does is it sets the trajectory of my day. It also helps me manage stress throughout the day better. Um, I literally get up, I pee. I will admit I put the coffee on. I don't drink it, but I put the pot coffee on and then I go right into the meditation. Boom, it's done. The other thing I do is I, I do what you call bookend meditations. So RPM in the morning and R-A-W or raw in, in the late afternoon to evening. So before I transition from work into evening activities or dinner, I meditate again. And the way that my teacher describes this or sort of the functionality of it is the morning meditation is when you're setting your table. You're putting out the healthy foods that are going to nourish you and get you all ready for the day. The second meditation of the day is when you're cleaning up. So you're kind of healing from all of the things that you've been through that day so that you're not stewing on stuff and you can go into your meal without any of this toxicity. You're able to have a bit of a clean slate. And I will tell you, this double meditation thingy thing, it's a game changer. Now, if you are just starting to meditate, Don't put all this pressure on yourself to jump into, you know, 30-minute, twice-a-day meditations. No. Start slow. 
But I recommend meditating in the morning. I think that's probably the most beneficial, although that second meditation, again, chef's kiss. So yeah, just be consistent though. And you will see a difference. The people around you will see a difference. It'll feel subtle sometimes. You may not even notice it's happening. And then one day you're just going to think to yourself, huh, I didn't freak out about that. Or I didn't snap at that person when I normally would. Or maybe someone else will bring it to your attention. They'll be like, you know what? You seem way more grounded. Or you'll notice that you're criticizing yourself less. I think that's a huge one, especially for breast cancer patients. We tend to be, we tend to put ourselves at the lowest spot on the totem pole and we can be very self-critical. So I think that's, it's a huge benefit. The other thing is best practices, have a dedicated spot for your meditation It doesn't have to be a temple or an altar, but just have a spot that you know in your house means this is where I go when I want to practice. And that'll allow you to establish your routine and it just kind of alerts your body that, okay, we're going to go inward now. So that's always nice. I also recommend experimenting with different forms of meditation. So, you know, you can meditate on your own. You can meditate in a group. Sometimes that is extremely powerful. Play around with that. See what's what's around you. There are a lot of community groups that offer meditation. A lot of, almost every cancer support center has some type of free meditation. And, um, there are meditation studios opening up your yoga studio. If you belong to one may have one, um, There's all kinds of stuff, but you can also use an app. There's a lot of free apps. I love Insight Timer. I love the Unplug Meditation app. I'll put a link to a free trial for the Unplug Meditation app. It is a paid app, but you can try it out for free. Um, Insight Timer is always free, and I have a whole library of guided meditations that I've created that you can check out, but there's also thousands and thousands of teachers. So if you listen to one of my meditations or all of my meditations and they just don't resonate with you, that's totally no big deal. But there are just so many different teachers that you can check out. And um, yeah, but you you don't need an app to meditate or a group. You can do it on your own. I find that especially for a beginning meditator, having a guided meditation can be really really helpful, but it is nice to practice with and without guidance and with and without music. And there are many different types of meditation. So I would, I would encourage you to experiment with those. So, so let's list some of these. Loving kindness meditation is wonderful. And one of my favorite types of meditation is also known as metta. And the goal with metta meditation is to cultivate an attitude of love and kindness towards everything, even people that you have conflict conflict with or sources of stress from. So um, with this type of meditation, you're sending loving kindness to yourself, to the people that you love, and to the people that you have conflict with. So that, that this is a very basic description of that, but it can help you with anger, frustration, resentment, depression, stress, conflict, post-traumatic stress, it, post-traumatic stress um, can reduce depression and anxiety. There's also 
a body scan or a progressive body scan technique. And what this meditation does is it basically takes you through your body and helps you identify areas of tension. And the goal with this is that you notice the tension and you allow it to release. So sometimes on a progressive relaxation meditation session, you will tighten and then release tension. Um, That can be very effective, but sometimes it's just bringing awareness. And if you bring your awareness, you can encourage your body to relax. That can be great if you're just really feeling tense, um, you really want to ease chronic pain, and you just need more calmness and uh, relaxation. Mindfulness meditation. So we talked a lot already about the MBSR, mindfulness-based stress reduction. And really what that is, is just, it's an awareness and a presence in the moment. So you, in mindfulness meditation, you are becoming aware of your surroundings. You are releasing judgment and you will just become a witness to your thoughts, to sensations, to smells, anything. And this is something that's involved in most types of meditation. Um, It's been studied extensively. It can really help you let go of negative emotions and thoughts. It can improve your focus and memory. It can help you lessen some impulsive or emotional reactions like stop you from snapping so quickly and reacting to things. It can improve your relationships. It can improve your health. Uh, It can improve blood pressure, kidney disease, stress, all kinds of things. Next type of meditation. I love this one. And this is the the exercise we're going to do in just a little bit here. Breath awareness meditation is such a wonderful entry point for the beginning meditator because your mind really wants to focus on something. And that's normal. That, that's its job. But when you do a breath awareness meditation, it gives you what we call in the world of meditation an anchor. And with different types of breath patterns, they can be used to address certain things, whether it's insomnia, anxiety, um, stress, these types of things. And there are different breath patterns that you focus on, sometimes with a count, sometimes just being mindful and aware of your breath being that simple. And uh, this type of meditation has been shown to reduce anxiety, improve concentration, and allow for greater emotional flexibility. And it's just incredibly relaxing because what it does, it'll signal to your nervous system that you can relax because it's a way of hacking this vagus nerve. Because you, when you are stressed out, your breathe increases the rate at which you breathe. So when you slow down your breath, your body has no choice but to acknowledge that you are safe. So that can be great, especially when you're going through the stress of a cancer diagnosis. Um, Let's see, what else? So there's also Zen meditation. This is more of a Buddhist practice. Um, These This is something I don't do as much, but I also like it. Um, It it has more of a spiritual path. Um, Let's see, there's guided meditations. I love those two. Um, Guided visualizations where you can 
let's say it's before your surgery for your mastectomy or your lumpectomy or your reconstruction surgery, and you want to visualize a successful surgery. One of the coolest things about the subconscious mind is that when you're doing visualization work, it does not know the difference between reality and your imagination. So you can facilitate more potential for a positive outcome when you do guided visualization work like this. I used this before my surgery when I had my mastectomy because I'd never had a major surgery and I was super anxious about it. And just by visualizing the whole procedure going exactly the way I wanted it to, that really helped me. And I had a great experience. A lot of professional athletes use this. Um, So obviously we know it is very backed, but you can also use it for different ways of healing. You know, you can use it to cut an energetic cord with somebody that you you feel like you have an unhealthy attachment to or that you need to take your relationship to a different place. You can use it to do inner child healing work, healing trauma, uh, dispelling negative beliefs, visualizing your future, visualizing you in perfect health, visualizing you in a new career, visualizing you doing Anything you could potentially or possibly imagine, guided visualizations are really, really wonderful ways to do that. And it's one of my favorite ways to meditate. So this is not an all-inclusive list, but those are different types of meditation that I really love. And uh, so let's do a little exercise here. This is a very simple meditation. We'll do a breathing exercise and this is called a box breath exercise. Believe it or not, box breathing is used by Navy SEALs. Um, As you can imagine, Navy SEALs are often in very stressful situations and this is a great technique to use when you are feeling very panicked about something and again, as a cancer patient or survivor, that is something that we know all too well. Now you can do this once. You can, you know, you can do a box breath pattern once because you are about to scream at your child or your partner or your boss. Or you can do this as long as you want until you feel calm while you're waiting for a scan or a surgery or to talk to your doctor about the results of your biopsy. This is just such an accessible meditation. Okay, so go ahead and get into a comfortable position. Lying down or seated is fine. And uh, do not do this meditation when you're in the car. I don't recommend that. Um, You can do this meditation with your eyes open, but you do want to bring your awareness inward. So again, I don't recommend if you're operating heavy machinery or driving a car or anything like that. But if you're on the bus and you want to do a little bit of box breathing with your eyes open, hey, that's a great idea. Um, Okay. Sorry, I'm kind of all over the place. I could use some box breathing. (laughs) Okay. So getting settled in, just have your spine straight. You can support yourself with cushions. You can lie down. You can place your hands gently on your thighs. 
You can cross your legs. You can have your feet on the ground if you want to be seated that way. Or you can sit on a cushion or something that will prop up your your buttocks a little bit just to give you that allows your spine to kind of dip forward so that you are comfortable. It'll cozily rest above your hips. I'm going to give you a couple seconds to do that. All right, so let's just take, before we get into the pattern, the breath pattern, let's just take a couple deep breaths together. We're going to go in through the nose and then we're going to release through the mouth. And if you'd like to make an audible sigh, that can actually be extremely helpful as well. So let's do that together. In through the nose and just releasing through the mouth. (sighs) Okay, let's do that again. In through the nose and out through the mouth. (sighs) Let's do this one more time. A long, slow, deep breath in through the nose. And last, letting it all go. (sighs) If you'd like to... Gently flutter your eyelids close at this time. You're welcome to do so. If you're not comfortable doing that or you're not in a situation where you can do that, just focus your gaze slightly downward so that you can bring your awareness internally. Now with a box breath, all that is, you're going to breathe in for four. You're going to hold for four. You're going to release for four, and then you will hold again for four. And when you are doing this, I'm going to count it with you, but just focus on observing that breath traveling down through the nose to the base of your belly. And as you're holding it, just bring your awareness there. As you release the breath, see it traveling up again. And as you hold on those last four counts, just witness the breath evaporating into the air. Okay, so let's try that together. We're going to go in for two, three, four, holding for two, three, four, releasing for two, three, four, and holding for two, three, four. Okay, that's so simple, right? So let's do this a couple more times. In for two, three, four. Hold for two, three, four. Letting go through mouth or nose for two, three, four. And holding for two, three, four. Now, if the breath hold makes you feel more anxious than you already are, that's okay. Just release it. You don't want to encourage more anxiety or stress. Uh, and that's super common. With practice, you can extend the breath hold longer. So again, let's do this again one last time. In for two, three, four. Hold for two, three, four. Releasing for two, three, four. Holding for two, three, four. 
hey, you just meditated. I definitely recommend doing that more if you'd like. And if you want to pause this episode and keep going with that, I'm so pro that. If you want to try that again later, I am also pro that. (laughs) But that is today's episode. And, you know, we didn't really talk about some of the unexpected ways that you can also benefit from meditation. But as we touched just very briefly in the intro, meditation can help you in so many different areas of your life. It can help you in the bedroom, which is why I am doing that class at the Rose City Sexual Health Collective uh, starting September 20th, so that, you know, people can get out of their head. How many women are thinking about what they look like, uh, if they're doing it right, if their partner is finding them attractive, when really what you could be doing is just enjoying your damn self, girl. Um, (laughs) Who wants to be released from that? Also, if you have trouble cultivating desire, how do you get into your body and feel so that you can process those sexual cues and potentially increase your potential and satisfaction during orgasm. Mm-hmm. I know, right? So <laughs> those are my little nuggets for you. I just want to thank you for listening. I hope this was helpful. I hope you will give meditation a try. Try it for, you know, honestly, if you try it, I think what it, I think it's like 60 days. Try it for eight weeks. That is, seems to be the magic number. And if you do it for eight weeks, I truly believe your life will change. Give it a shot. You have nothing to lose and so much to gain. But hey, also, it's your life, so you do whatever you want. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to wrap it up here. Again, check the show notes. I will put links to the studies that I talked about today. I will put a link to that Onion article that was super funny. I will put a link to my Insight Timer profile that has the um, free meditations you can access. And I will also put a link to the free trial of the Unplug meditation app that you can try out. And also for the Rose City Sexual Health Collective classes that I have coming up in 2022, this month, September. And I am also still taking one-on-one clients. I love working with you guys. And I love uh, when you reach out to me and talk to me about what's resonating with you with the podcast. If you are resonating with this podcast, please, 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 please write a review, rate the podcast. It is so helpful and uh, will allow this information to get to other people and or send me a message. I seriously, you guys make my day when I hear from you. I am not even joking about that. And I would love to hear about what you want to know more about, what questions you have and all that good stuff. I have so many incredible interviews that I've been doing lately. I have such a backlog of interviews right now, but I'm going to be bringing you more cool stuff in a couple weeks. And, um, 
Oh no, I think that's it. All right. As always, I am wishing you well. Oh, find me on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn or sort of-ish TikTok. I'm not really on TikTok, but I might be by the time you find this. Okay, bye.